101 Secrets of Highly Effective Speakers by Carol Ray Kranich. Read by Beth McDonald. Edited by Kirk Miller and produced by Elisa Weberman and Alfred Martino. This is a Listen and Live audio production. Chapter 1. Before You Begin. Facing the number one fear. Every day, thousands of people present speeches. Many people fear having to present a speech more than any other situation they encounter. Now, this may not sound strange to you, especially if you are scheduled to give a presentation soon and you are already feeling nervous as you anticipate the speech. However, would it surprise you to know that though public speaking is number one on the list of people's fears, Number six on the list is the fear of death. So what is the worst thing that can happen to you? You approach the podium to deliver your speech with dread and fear mounting, and as you look out over the audience, you drop dead of fright. In an instant, you have dropped from the number one fear to the number six fear. Yes, I do say this facetiously, but I hope you've at least cracked a smile. People's fears about speaking are very real. These fears are no joking matter if they've kept you awake nights worrying about presentations or kept you from accepting a promotion because you realized that with the new job and title would come increased assignments to make presentations. But if you can smile and relax a bit, perhaps you can be open to the possibility that it doesn't have to be that way. You can, with a little guidance and some positive experiences, actually enjoy the opportunity to share your ideas with an attentive audience and attentive they will be if you practice the many secrets of successful speakers outlined in this book. 101 Secrets Revealed The secrets that follow are arranged in sequence. Together they form a series of steps, from start to finish, that will guide you in succession through the preparation and delivery of an effective presentation. Some of the 101 secrets will be new to you, Advice you've not heard before. Other secrets will seem more familiar. Some of the secrets may seem so obvious to you that you wonder why they are even listed as secrets. Doesn't everyone know that, you may ask? Over the last 30 years, I have taught, coached, and cajoled thousands of people to become better speakers. Some wanted to learn to be effective speakers. Others had tried to avoid presenting speeches and came only because their boss sent them to the seminar. Let me assure you that every secret shared here is in response to some speaker's real-life success or failure. Resolve to let none of the failures become your failures. Not all of the secrets that follow are exciting. Some are relatively easy to do and will take little time. Others are more difficult or time-consuming. But each is important, and in most cases, one will build upon another. Taken together, they form the steps each of us can take to move from timid to assured, from confusing to lucid, and from filling time to commanding the attention of our listeners as we make effective presentations. Chapter 2. Plan to Exceed Expectations 1. Prepare Early in real estate, the watchwords are location, location, location. In public speaking, the watchwords are preparation, preparation, preparation. 
Most of us tend to procrastinate, at least occasionally. It is so easy to put things off, especially those things we do not look forward to doing. So, if a speaking engagement is several weeks off, we can rationalize that we still have plenty of time. But as the day draws closer, panic can soon set in. Don't let this happen to you. Start preparing as soon as you are given or accept a speaking assignment. You have much to do, and to do it right will take time. How much better your speech will be, and how much better you will feel if you have taken the time to do it right. Few things are as great a confidence builder as knowing you are prepared. When you are prepared, you have gathered the needed data, determined what is appropriate to the listener's understanding and acceptance levels, organized the ideas so they flow logically, selected examples and other supports for your ideas that will help clarify your points and make them interesting to your listeners. Developed a great opening that you know will capture the attention of even the daydreamers in your audience. Checked out the room where you will be speaking. Requested any feasible changes you wish in the setup of the room. If you're prepared, you are confident that you know, really know, the material you plan to share with your audience. You're familiar with it because you've spent so much time with it, selecting and organizing the ideas that will best convey your message to your listeners. If you have waited until a few days before your presentation to begin to prepare, or worse yet, the day before, no doubt you will be apprehensive and with good reason. The normal butterflies you feel at getting up to make a presentation are intensified by the realization that you are not well prepared, and now there is not enough time to engage in more than a superficial attempt. Winging it will come across as just that. Both you and the audience will feel uncomfortable. Like retirement planning, it is never too early to start preparing for your presentation. So start preparing right away. It is the first step toward becoming an effective speaker. Two, plan to be effective. Boiled down to its essence, there are three possible outcomes to a presentation. One, it is irrelevant. People attend, perhaps they listen, or they may sit politely and only appear to listen. They leave and never give another thought to the message. Two, it is evaluated as good or poor. As the audience leaves the room, they comment on what a good speech it was. They enjoyed it. It was interesting. Or it was boring. They didn't enjoy it. Three, it is effective. Now certainly you would be pleased, perhaps overjoyed, to hear what a great speaker your audience thought you were and how much they enjoyed your presentation. Nothing wrong in that. But if that's all there is, to paraphrase an old song line, you've come up short. You need to plan to be effective. To be effective means your message has created change in your listeners. Your message has added to their knowledge, or you have convinced them to believe or accept an idea, or you have persuaded them to act on something. If your goal was for listeners to understand the advantages versus disadvantages of the company's new health plan, and most of the audience leave your presentation with that understanding, your presentation was effective. If you want your audience to accept that the new health plan offers them better benefits than did the old company plan, 
Do they now accept this? If they do, you are an effective speaker. If you want your listeners to stop smoking, do they? Or if you want them to buckle up every time they get in a car, do they? You are an effective speaker if your listeners understand the concept, accept the premise, or engage in the behavior you are promoting. Perhaps the difference between what is meant by good versus effective was best summed up by Adlai Stevenson, who observed, "When Cicero finished an oration, the people would say how well he spoke." But when Demosthenes finished speaking, the people would say, "Let us march." A good speech results from the speaker's selection, organization, and presentation of ideas. An attention-getting introduction, main points that are well supported, developed, and organized, a conclusion that provides a summary and then hits the listeners with a memorable impact statement. A delivery that is dynamic and easy to listen to; these are all elements that, if done well, result in a good speech. An effective speech results from the thorough analysis of the audience that allows the speaker to focus on the needs of this audience and to select ideas and supports that will be appropriate for this particular audience. If you internalize the secrets throughout this book. You can become a speaker that is both good and effective. Good plus effective equals a successful speech. Your listeners will say how well he spoke, followed by "Let us march." Three, determine your goal. We all want to take shortcuts. If there is a faster or easier way, we try to find it. But in taking what we perceive to be shortcuts, we sometimes short-circuit the process instead. The result is that we actually spend more time than if we had done it right to begin with, or we miss our goal entirely. You might think that asking you to determine your goal as an early part of your preparation process is overly simplistic and hardly a secret to effective speaking. If so, you have not heard the speeches that I have heard. Nor asked the presenters following the speech what their goal had been. Your jaw might drop if you were to watch these speakers hem and haw as they attempt to articulate a goal for the speech they just presented. So the lack of a clear focus and goal in the speaker's mind results in confusion and lack of clarity in the message. These speeches often wind up being a stream of consciousness. A string of thoughts related to the topic of the speech and tied together one after another. What is lacking is a clear main idea, development of the idea, and any hint of how we, the listeners, might be changed by these ideas. We come away confused rather than informed, convinced, or ready for action. So take some time to determine your goal. It should not be simply to fill time. You must have a message you believe in, one you believe your listeners must hear, one you believe can make a difference in their lives. You may wish to provide information on the relative benefits of the various pension plans they may select from. You may wish to convince them a new type of dental filling is superior to amalgam fillings, or you may wish to sell them on the new advertising campaign you've developed. Your goal does not have to be earth-shaking, but you need to have a goal in mind. 
You need to believe in it, and your listeners need to feel it is important to them. If you can finish the sentence, I want my listeners to fairly concisely, you have a goal statement, and you are ready to start planning your presentation. No matter how good your idea, if it doesn't get through or doesn't get sold, you've not been effective. Effective speakers have a clear goal before they begin other steps in speech preparation. Constantly refer back to your goal as you prepare. It will keep you on target. 4. Analyze the audience. This step is frequently overlooked by speakers who try to shortcut the process. But effective speakers make the effort. Every communication situation involves four elements. Speaker, audience, occasion situation in which the communication occurs, message itself. An analysis of the speaker, audience, and situation must be taken into consideration in order to know how to best formulate the message, in this case, your speech. If a speech is to be given to several different audiences and is to be its most effective, it should be modified somewhat to fit each audience. You can put together a good speech and give it over and over again to many different audiences and it will still be good. But it may be only an effective speech, that is, your listeners understand the message or do what you persuade them to do for one of those audiences. As you analyze your expected audience, you should address the following considerations. How large is the audience? What will be the ages of your listeners? What is the male to female ratio in the audience? How much education do your listeners have? What do your listeners already know about your topic? What are your listeners' attitudes toward your topic, your stance? How open to new ideas will your listeners be? What are the listeners' relationships to you, the speaker? What are the relationships of audience members to each other? What are the listeners' attitudes toward you? Do listeners have a choice in attending? Not all of these questions are pertinent to every speech, and every consideration pertinent to your speech may not be listed here. Go through the list and concern yourself with those that are pertinent and add any additional areas you need to consider. The size of the audience will determine the number of handouts for your audience. Also, many speakers find it helps to prepare themselves mentally for a particular size crowd. Listeners' ages often will be immaterial. However, if you appear youthful and will be speaking to an older crowd about retirement planning, you would be well advised to try to boost your credibility at the beginning of your talk. No matter how great a speaker, you will initially encounter an he looks young enough to be my grandson, what can he teach me, attitude. Besides, if you expect a homogeneous group of a certain age bracket, you can tailor your examples to that age group. Male-to-female ratio of listeners won't make any difference to how you organize and support some topics, but can to others. The educational level of listeners helps you gauge style and language, whereas their information level will be your guide as to how basic you need to tailor your comments on the topic. 
Understanding listeners' initial attitudes and receptiveness to your viewpoint will help you to both select your supports and organize your thoughts to lead them to your premise. The relationship of listeners to each other or to the speaker may influence how or whether they interact with each other as well as the speaker. Are listeners in attendance by choice? Audience members who are required to attend a session can be reluctant, even hostile, listeners. Effective speakers know and adapt their material to their audience. Five, consider the situation. Consider Tricia, who prepared her speech and arrived for her speaking engagement to find she was one of several speakers on the program that evening. It was bad enough that Tricia faced a not-so-fresh audience following two speakers that preceded her. Worse yet, the speaker just prior to her presented much of the same material Tricia was prepared to present in her speech. Or what about Ted, who arrived to give his speech armed with several carousels of slides and found that the electrical outlet was on the opposite side of the room and he had no extension cord? Who would want to have been Selena? who talked for an hour to a group who expected no more than a 20-minute presentation. It is never too early to check out the setting in which you will be speaking. Not only can you prepare for the situation you will encounter, if what you find is not to your liking, you may be able to change the setup of the room, or even change to another location, if you identify the problem early enough. Things to check on that will help guide you as you prepare your speech include what is the size and physical setup of the room? If the room is very large, is there a microphone? Is there a lectern? Is the lectern on a raised platform or on a stage? What are the lighting choices? Is the entire room lit evenly? Or will you be on a stage that is brightly lit while the audience sits with house lights dim? Where are electrical outlets located? What is the availability of audio-visual equipment? What distractions are there likely to be? Will there be noise from outside, across the hall, or the space on the other side of the room divider? Can the seating be arranged to suit your presentation? Can the room temperature be regulated? Don't limit yourself to consideration of the elements suggested. Think about speeches you have given in the past, as well as speeches for which you have been in the audience. What changes to the physical setting might have had a positive impact on the outcome? There are other factors to be aware of related to the situation beyond elements of the physical setting. The time of day. Will the audience be fresh, tired, or anxious to get out to meet the afternoon carpool? Other speakers sharing the podium. If there are other speakers, will you be the first speaker, in the middle, or the last to present? What will be their focus and their points of view? You certainly will have a hard time keeping listeners' attention if you are repeating half of the prior speaker's talk. If a speaker's point of view is different than yours, you may wish to deal with the differences head-on. Provide the audience with the reasons your point of view is more acceptable. Time limits. What are the time limits? Always expect time limits. If you exceed them, your audience will head for the nearest mental exit.
Effective speakers keep situational constraints in mind as they prepare. 6. Highlight your strengths. And 7. Minimize your weaknesses. You have determined what you can about your audience and the situation. Now, it's time to take a hard look at yourself, the speaker, from the perspective of the listeners. How do these listeners perceive you? Even if they have never laid eyes on you before, they do have preconceived notions about you, about your expertise, your honesty, your position on the issue, your willingness to defend your position. These opinions may have been formed through media coverage of you or may be the result of mindless gossip. Their opinions may not be based in fact. But remember, a person's perception of reality is reality to that person. So to be an effective speaker, you must step out of your own perspective and try to look at how the other person, your listener, perceives the situation. You must find where your listener's heads are and begin there to enhance your strengths and minimize your weaknesses as they will be perceived by the audience. For example, do you look young but have a lot of experience? Attire yourself to look professional, speak with authority, and allude to your strongest related accomplishments. I recall a young woman in attendance at one of my seminars. She shared with the rest of the participants that her boss had sent her because she just didn't come across with authority when she made presentations. Some obvious things acting against her were she was petite, she was youthful in appearance. She was dressed casually and youthfully. She hardly made eye contact with the audience, looking mostly at the lectern. She did not project her voice, and even in a small room we had to strain to hear her. She spoke with excessive ahs and ums, which made her seem tentative and unsure of herself. She stood teetering back and forth behind the lectern. Her shoulders were hunched forward and inward, and her body screamed submission. What things can she modify, and what can she not change? She will remain petite and, for now, young. These attributes are givens. But she can dress to give herself a look of authority, professionalism, and competence that will take the edge off her youth. She learned to look at her audience and engage each of them as her eyes scanned the room. When she projected her voice, not only could we hear her more easily and hence paid better attention, but she sounded authoritative and hence more credible as well. She came across as more confident as she lessened the number of vocalized pauses. She learned to plant her weight evenly on both feet and stand behind the lectern, pulling herself up as tall as her height would permit. She alluded to her experience where appropriate. When she left the seminar, she was well on her way to appearing much more confident and competent when she spoke. Consider how your audience will perceive you and work to modify where you can those things that will enhance your presentation and further the progress toward your goal. 8. Sleuth the rest of the program. With what and whom will you be sharing the program? Is there a business meeting after which you are the featured speaker? Are there other speakers? 
Find out how long the other parts of the program are scheduled to take, as well as the time limits placed on you. Don't let anyone tell you, take as much time as you need. There is no such thing. Your audience will have expectations based on previous sessions. If you exceed the time expected, your listeners will take a mental exit. If there are other speakers, try to talk with each one prior to finalizing your speech. What are the others' focus? Their stand on any issues? How long does each plan to speak? What is the speaking order? If you are the final speaker for the evening, expect that you will be late getting started. Most of the previous speakers will have run over their allotted time, and before you even begin, your audience is tired. Plan ahead of time to limit the length of your remarks. Your audience will be grateful and more attentive. And try to inject a bit of humor as you begin, assuming it is appropriate to the situation. You're familiar with the expression, if anything can go wrong, it probably will? Effective speakers try to anticipate what could go wrong and prepare contingency plans. Chapter 3. Build Your Body, Your Speech Body. 9. Gather Information. Where do you start? Assuming that you are an expert on the subject of your speech, and this is why you've been selected to speak on this topic, you'll find that you have much of the information you'll use in your head. Start there. Because this is an area with which you are familiar, you will probably know individuals who also have expertise related to your topic. You may wish to contact some of them for the up-to-date or specialized information. Of course, there are also printed materials that you will be familiar with or that the sources you contact will point you toward. Printed data that is available at your office, local library, or on the World Wide Web are fine. Use them. But don't overlook what is often your richest source of information, your personal contacts. 10. Limit your time. You are sitting in the audience listening to a speech. Your expectation was that this would take about 15 to 20 minutes of your time. Mentally, this time frame is what you are prepared for. However, the speaker has been droning on for over 40 minutes and shows no sign that he's about to conclude. As you look around, you can tell that the rest of the audience is as uncomfortable as you. Their body language says it all. What do you do? Do you get up and leave the room? Probably not, even though you might like to. Most of us will stay, even if it is a supreme test of our endurance. We won't physically leave the room, but we will take a mental exit. Our body remains, but our mind has left. Studies conducted by social psychologists show that 20 minutes is the maximum time the average adult can remain attentive to a speaker. The admonition to speakers over the ages has been, leave your audience wanting more. Not bad advice, though perhaps easier said than done. Determine your listeners' time limits and resolve to finish sooner rather than later. No matter how important, no matter how voluminous your information, conclude well within the expected time limits. After all, what your listeners don't hear has no impact on them. 
If they've taken a mental exit, they will not hear your message, no matter how important. Effective speakers do not impose themselves on the minds of their listeners for longer than the posterior can bear. 11. Limit your focus. The secret to limiting your time is to limit your focus. Of course, it would be difficult to share with your audience everything you know about a topic in limited time, but then they don't want to hear everything you know, and it would most likely turn out to be a rambling stream of consciousness anyway. Remember secret number three. Determine your goal. If you have concisely stated your goal, you have taken the first step to limiting your focus. If you have followed secret number four and analyzed your audience, you have further limited your focus by determining what your listeners will need to hear. Consider time constraints as you determine your main points and develop your ideas. At this point, you may further limit your focus if necessary to fit into the time available. 12. Develop the speech body first. Most speeches consist of three parts. Introduction, body, conclusion. In simplest terms, the introduction should gain your listeners' attention and orient them to the focus of your speech. The body, sometimes referred to as the discussion section, sets forth the main ideas and develops or supports the main ideas of your speech. The conclusion briefly reviews the main ideas and imparts a statement of impact. You will deliver the parts in that order. Introduction, body, and conclusion but don't prepare them in that order. One of the fastest ways to develop speechwriter's block is to begin by preparing your introduction. Begin by preparing the body of your speech. The body is the heart of your speech, the main ideas and their development. It will be easier for you to prepare the speech body first. Once you finish preparing the body, you will know exactly what the speech message is. 13. Determine your main points. Once you have followed the advice in secret number three, determine your goal, you have a specific idea what you want your listeners to understand, believe, or do after they've heard your speech. As you completed the task suggested in secret number four, analyze the audience, you focused on specific attributes of your listeners as they relate to the topic of your speech, the setting of the presentation, and you, the speaker. Put together the information you have from following secrets number three and number four, and you should be able to articulate your main points. What do your listeners need to move from where they are now, your audience analysis should indicate where they stand, to where you want them to be, your goal statement. What your listeners need, either to understand your message or be persuaded, should determine your main points. Each main point should help move your listeners toward your goal. Focus is important. Don't let yourself get waylaid going off on tangents. Remember, you are not filling time. You are attempting to help your listeners move from one point to another. Each main idea should support this goal. After bounty hunters burst into the wrong house and killed two innocent people in Arizona, 
a speaker selected this goal and identified two main ideas. Goal statement. To convince listeners that bounty hunters should be licensed to raise their competence and level of professionalism. Main idea one. In order to obtain a license to become a bounty hunter, the applicant must undergo a thorough background check for criminal history and mental stability. Main idea two. In order to obtain a license to become a bounty hunter, the applicant must pass a test covering the laws that govern the identification of and apprehension of those who have skipped bail. The most common mistake beginning speakers make is to select too many main points. You have limited time. You must limit the ideas you present. Three main points are plenty for most speeches. Each one of the main points must be developed with supporting materials, and to develop your ideas fully will take time. Take, for example, a ten-minute speech in which you plan to present three main points. If you spend one minute each on your introduction and conclusion, you only have just over two and a half minutes to develop each of your three points. That is bare bones. Those bones need flesh, and developing that flesh. The subject of the next few secrets takes time and a variety of supports, such as quotations, statistics, examples, and comparisons. Fourteen, use supporting materials liberally. Build credibility. Just because you make a statement, you can't expect that your listeners will accept it as fact, nor can you necessarily expect that they will understand it. Your main ideas must be amplified and supported in order to be understood or accepted. As you develop your main ideas, you help your listeners move from their present understanding or acceptance of your main thesis to where you hope they will be when you conclude your remarks. Supporting materials help a speaker add interest, clarify a point, prove a point, make points memorable. And build credibility. Hence, the speaker's choice of supporting materials is made on the basis of his analysis of the audience. Obviously, if my listeners are interested in what I say, they will be more attentive. That increased level of attention gives me a better opportunity to inform or persuade them. What will add interest for this audience? What do my listeners need to understand or to accept my proposition? How can I make the ideas I present truly memorable? The following nine secrets present the most frequently used forms and methods for supporting your main ideas in the body of a speech. Effective speakers enhance their ideas and build their credibility by using a variety of supporting materials, and they use them liberally. Fifteen, use quotations, testimony. If someone has said what you want to say better than you ever could, use quotations to support a main idea in your talk. Go ahead and use the great way someone else made the point, but give credit to the source so you will not be accused of plagiarism. Or you may choose to use a quotation because you believe the source itself will be a highly credible one to this audience. And the source will add weight to the ideas you present. Sources may be individuals, such as a prominent scientist, 
A source could be a formal group of people, such as the AMA, the American Medical Association. A source could be a publication, such as the New England Journal of Medicine. You may have several sources available to you for essentially the same information, and you must select the ones you will credit. Your audience analysis should help you choose. As you cite the results of an extended medical study, you may have choices. Do you give credit by citing the researcher by name, or do you credit the New England Journal of Medicine where the research results were published? To a group of laymen with no knowledge of the medical research community, you would probably allude to the published results and the journal, knowing that even people with no medical training have heard of it and know it is held in high regard. However, for a speech directed at persons in the medical community who would be familiar with the name and work of an eminent scientist, you would probably want to cite the researcher by name. Of course, you could decide to attribute both the researcher and the journal for yet another audience. When presenting quotations, it is not necessary to preface with quote and follow it with unquote. It is much smoother to indicate a quote to the audience by prefacing with according to, or following the quote with, those were the words of. Although many speakers build collections of quotations as they come across items that they believe they might use in the future, you will probably find plenty of material for use as quotations as you do research for your speech. There are also books of quotations available in your library as well as bookstores. Quotations add authority to your speech show that there are others, many of them experts, who share your point of view, as well as add interest and make points memorable. 16. Use statistics. Numbers can be useful to clarify an idea, make an idea more meaningful, communicate information more precisely, Present information more powerfully, believably, and hence, more convincingly. But numbers by themselves don't necessarily clarify. If you talk about an area of 6,000 square miles, what meaning will this have to the average listener? But if you compare this figure to something more familiar to the audience, your support can add both precision and clarity. Consider a student at Penn State from Kuwait who, in a talk about his home country, made the following statement. Kuwait is a small country in size. In fact, Kuwait is made up of only 6,000 square miles. That's about the size of Rhode Island and Connecticut combined. By comparing the number of square miles with the area of two states his listeners were familiar with, he made the size of Kuwait much more meaningful to his audience. The following example shows how helping an audience to visualize what you are talking about can make an idea immensely powerful. Most of us, if asked the difference between a million and a trillion dollars, would be hard put to offer a good answer. Listen to the next quotation taken from President Reagan's speech made to a joint session of Congress about his first budget. A few weeks ago, I called such a figure, a trillion dollars, incomprehensible. I've been trying to think of a way to illustrate how big it really is. 
The best I could come up with is to say that a stack of $1,000 bills in your hand, only four inches high, would make you a millionaire. A trillion dollars would be a stack of $1,000 bills 76 miles high. I'll wager that most listeners, even members of Congress, were stunned. I certainly was. Granted, you don't have access to the speechwriters of the president who will research and formulate impactful supports like Reagan's, but if you keep your goal in mind, know your audience, and think creatively, you too can formulate supports that will increase your effectiveness. 17. Use examples. Examples, whether detailed illustrations or short specific instances, pique listeners' interest. An example may be actual or hypothetical. Consider the following example in which the speaker tries to exhort the audience to imagine a situation most have never actually encountered. How can we understand what is happening in Bosnia? Many of us have never lived in a war zone. Oh, yes, we hear about wars in far-off lands on the evening news, but we've not gone off to a distant land to fight a war, nor have we lived in a place where war was raging all around us. A place where, when we go to bed at night, we can't shut out the sounds of bombs falling, of sirens blaring, of shots fired, or of people screaming. We've not lived in a place where we wake in the morning and find our best friend's body laying face down in the street outside our door. The painful realities of war are impossible to imagine if our closest contact is the six o'clock news. 18. Tell stories. Stories tell of events that have happened to people. Stories personalize a message as listeners can identify with the people and the situations you relate. If you can relate an incident that actually happened to you and that furthers your goal to inform or persuade, that's a plus. If you can tell a story about a relative or a friend, that too seems personal because you are close to the source. Or a story may involve others whom the speaker has only read or heard about, but the audience can still relate to the real people and events involved. 19. Use comparisons and contrasts. Sometimes, listeners can understand or accept a concept better if the speaker focuses on similarities or dissimilarities between things, concepts, processes, people, or places. A comparison presents characteristics, features, or qualities which are similar. It may show listeners a relationship between something familiar and something unfamiliar. It may show a relationship which is a surprise. A recent televised Hollywood news clip mentioned that a motion picture was being filmed on a glacier near Juneau, Alaska. The Mendenhall Glacier's ice field covers an area larger than the state of Rhode Island. Comparing the size of the glacier to the area of Rhode Island made the magnitude of the glacier meaningful to an audience who had never seen a glacier. Contrasts can be used to show differences between things, concepts, processes, people, or places. In a speech focused on trying to get the audience to buckle their seatbelts, Beth contrasted the cost in lives as well as money lost 
due to incidents of crime versus automobile accidents. A murder occurs every 22 minutes. Someone dies in an automobile crash every 14 minutes. An aggravated assault occurs every 30 seconds. Someone is injured in a car crash every 11 seconds. Violent crimes cost society $14 billion a year. Traffic crashes cost society $74 billion a year. 20. Demonstrate. Some ideas are made understandable by actually demonstrating how to do it or what it looks like. A speaker whose goal is to help listeners save lives by learning how to administer CPR on a victim who has stopped breathing may explain the process, but he will certainly also choose to demonstrate how to administer CPR as a part of his speech. 21. Define unfamiliar terms. Your audience analysis should indicate whether you will be using words or acronyms unfamiliar to your audience. It's a good idea when using an acronym for the first time in a speech to follow it with an indication of what the letters stand for. This morning, I'll be discussing the new initiatives underway at DOT, the Department of Transportation, to promote the use of seatbelts by drivers as well as all the passengers in their car whether seated in the front or back seats. From this point on, for most audiences, the speaker may use this acronym freely. It can become confusing if the speaker uses too many acronyms that the audience is unfamiliar with, as it is hard to remember what so many new terms stand for. Definitions are especially useful when different meanings are possible, or you are using a word in a different way than the norm. Operational definitions help you and your listeners stay focused on the way you will use certain words or phrases. What does a speaker mean by gun control? To one person, it may mean taking gun ownership away from private citizens, while to another, it may mean applying for a permit to own a gun with a five-day waiting period. 22. Use visual aids effectively. Another method to enhance your presentation is to show an idea. Visuals allow listeners to see as well as hear your message. As a method of support, visuals help listeners' understanding and acceptance. Visual aids strengthen a speech in all the same ways as the forms of support we have looked at thus far. Visuals help the speaker add interest, clarify a point, prove a point, emphasize a point, make ideas memorable. Visuals may be used as a method to emphasize a strong quotation, a significant statistic, an excellent example, a striking comparison, or an important definition. A demonstration itself becomes a visual. Visuals may be a few words written on a flip chart or a chalkboard, ideas presented using an overhead projector, photos or slides to enhance your message, or state-of-the-art computer-generated and interactive aids. If there is a visual that will help your audience understand your message, accept your premise, or act on your challenge, use it. 
If you can devise a visual that will keep your listeners' attention or help them recall your message later, use it. But there is no rule that says every speech must have a visual. The wrong visual can be a distraction and a detriment to a speech. Visuals used properly can enhance your presentation, but using them effectively means observing certain rules, or they can become a distraction. Guidelines for presentation of visual aids. One, show visuals only when you are talking about them. If a visual is in view of your listener before you refer to it, or after you have finished talking about it, your audience will be distracted. You want your listeners to direct their attention toward you rather than the visual, except when you are using it to make your point. Two. Be certain visuals are of sufficient size and are placed so that everyone in the audience can see them. If you select visuals that some listeners cannot see, no matter how great they are, you have lost the listeners who are unable to see them. They know they are missing out on something, and after straining to see and finding they cannot, they will give up and take a mental exit. Three, talk to your audience, not your visual. Face your listeners and direct your comments to them. Glance at your visual briefly if you wish to point to it, but once you've found your place, focus your attention back on your audience. Four. Be prepared for equipment breakdown if you are using mechanical or electrical equipment. You recall Murphy's law: if anything can go wrong, it probably will. Anticipate what problems could occur and carry backups. Using anything electrical, make sure you have an extension cord. Using an overhead projector, go prepared with an extra backup bulb. Use visuals to enhance your speech, but be prepared so that if it were necessary, you could deliver your presentation without them. Five, don't overdo. The purpose of visuals is clarity and emphasis. If overused. Everything and hence nothing becomes emphasized. Six, recognize that anything put in the hands of the listeners or passed around the audience is a distraction. Anything put in your listeners' hands will focus their attention on it and away from you. Consider carefully whether what the visuals add to your listeners' understanding will offset the distraction it will create. The decision is yours. You must decide what visuals, if any, will help your listeners understand, accept, or do what you espouse. Twenty-three, restate ideas in a variety of ways. Restatement is the art of being redundant without being repetitious. To restate is not to merely repeat the same thing in the same way. To restate is to find different ways of communicating a message. Using a variety of types of support, an example, a quotation, a comparison with a statistic, to develop an idea affords a likelihood that more of our listeners will understand or embrace our ideas. Restatement gives us a chance to catch a listener's attention with our second support if he has taken a mental break when we mentioned the first. Restatement recognizes the different experiences and needs of various listeners. What is relevant for one may have little meaning for another. According to Waldo W. Braden, we communicate not by what we say, 
but by what listeners hear. By saying things in a variety of ways, it is likely that a wider part of our audience will hear our message in a way that is meaningful to them. 24. Organize ideas for easy understanding. Effective speakers recognize the importance of organization. You've got an important goal, a message you want your listeners to understand, believe, or act on. You have good main points, and you've selected great supports to develop your ideas. Now, organize your message clearly, and it's far more likely that your listeners will understand your message, accept your message, remember your message, and be interested in your message. The arrangement you select will depend on your goal, your topic, and your audience. Sound familiar? It's back to your audience analysis to determine what your listeners need in order to follow your ideas. Also, some arrangements will work better for certain topics than for others. Some methods of organization are great for speeches to inform, but weak for a persuasive goal. The following secrets will divulge four of the most useful formats for organizing informational speeches and four additional methods for constructing persuasive speeches. 25. Put your ideas in sequential order. Some speeches lend themselves to a chronological or sequential ordering. If you are talking about how to do something, especially the steps to take, a sequential ordering is a natural. If your focus is on an historical event or a process, choose a chronological ordering of ideas. These would be ideal formats for topics like an analysis of the events leading up to the War of 1812, tracing the invention of the airplane, tracing the progress of a bill through Congress. You may even decide to present your ideas in a reverse chronological order selecting the most recent thing and moving backward in time. If you are introducing a speaker, for example, you may wish to initially mention her present position and then move backward as you highlight her past accomplishments. A sequential order is especially useful for speeches to inform. 26. Put your ideas in spatial order. If your topic deals with the physical arrangement of things or shows the relationship of parts to the whole, ordering your message according to space considerations may be a perfect fit. Spatial order might showcase your message if you are trying to show the layout of exhibits in the Louvre Museum in Paris, the flow of passengers from the metro to ticketing to the departure gate at the new airport, the best route from San Francisco to Albuquerque, the spatial arrangement is also useful for speeches designed to inform. 27. Organize your ideas by category. This method of arranging ideas is sometimes called classification or topic order. It is a friend of the speaker with an informative goal because it is a great catch-all category. If you cannot organize your speech any other way, this will probably work for you. Some topics just naturally fall into this format. For example, in talking about the federal government, you could easily divide your talk by discussing the three branches, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. 
28. Discuss a problem and its solution. This method can be used whether your goal is to inform or persuade. You need to first establish the scope of the problem. Go back to your audience analysis to determine whether your listeners are aware of the scope or severity of the problem. Operationally, define the problem, if necessary, and stress its importance by describing the severity or impact of the problem. Any solution you present will involve expenditures, either of people's time or money. To be convinced to accept any solution, listeners must be first convinced there is a significant problem that needs solving. Problems are perceived to be significant if a large number of people are impacted or if the impact is very severe on those affected. Don't move too rapidly from a discussion of the problem to your presentation of solutions. The second step is to present several solutions if your goal is to inform. Discuss each proposed solution in order that your listeners take with them an awareness of the choices and pros and cons of each. If your goal is to persuade, you will probably spend most of your time on the one solution you are promoting and build supports as to why it is the best solution. You may choose to mention the other solutions competing for acceptance in order to explain why those are inferior to the solution you are advocating. 29. Provide listeners a statement of reasons. This method is appropriate when your goal is to persuade and you believe your audience essentially agrees with your point of view or it is undecided about the issue. The method is a form of the category order in which each main point is a reason justifying your goal statement. Take, for example, the issue of refinancing home mortgages during a period of low interest rates. Your goal statement is to convince my listeners to refinance now before interest rates go higher. This statement serves as the basis for organizing the main ideas of a speech to persuade. You can use the problem solution or any of the remaining four methods for organizing this speech. For example, your goal is, I want my listeners to agree that they should refinance their home mortgages with ABC Mortgage now. Your three main points could be, one, if your fixed 30-year mortgage rate is above 8.5%, you can save thousands of dollars given current low interest rates. Two, you can refinance your present mortgage with little or no cash and immediately lower your monthly payments. Three, the refinancing process is quick and easy. You can begin the refinancing process tomorrow and begin paying the lower rate with your next mortgage payment. Notice that each main point is a reason why the listeners should refinance now. 30. Provide listeners with comparative advantages. This method outlines reasons why it is most advantageous to do what the speaker proposes. This method works especially well when you know many members of your audience agree with your arguments. The arguments presented usually emphasize why it is better to take action according to the speaker's plan. Goal. 
I want my listeners to agree that they should refinance their home mortgages with ABC Mortgage now. One. ABC Mortgage offers a fixed 30-year interest rate of six and a half percent, lower than any other company. Two. A special refinancing package available this month will eliminate costly points and other standard loan processing fees charged by other companies. Three, ABC Mortgage guarantees a 24-hour response to your loan application, the fastest in the business. Notice that each reason states what the listener should agree with or do in terms of its advantage over the other options. Thirty-one, use the criteria satisfaction method. This method attempts to build a consensus amongst members of a somewhat hostile audience. The approach initially tries to get individuals to agree to the speaker's points. Goal: I want my listeners to agree that they should refinance their home mortgages with ABC Mortgage now. One. As homeowners, we all want to know when we sign for our mortgage that we have the best deal possible. A, we all want to pay the lowest interest rate. B, we all want to put up as little cash as possible at settlement. C, we all want an application process that is quick and easy. The speaker has made statements he believes his listeners will agree with. He believes they all want the lowest rate possible. And will say a mental yes. He believes they will agree they want to pay as little cash as possible on the deal and would like an easy application process. Once he has their yes response, he moves on and indicates how his company's mortgage package meets each of the goals the listeners have already agreed they favor. Two. ABC Mortgage is offering the best deal in today's marketplace. A. ABC Mortgage's fixed 30-year six and a half percent rate is the lowest available. B, with ABC Mortgage, you need little or no cash at settlement. C, ABC Mortgage's application process is quick and easy to complete. This can be a very effective method with audiences initially in disagreement with the speaker's goal. Thirty-two. Use the negative method. This method is viable for hostile audiences to persuade them to agree with the speaker's arguments. Here, you show that the alternatives available to your listeners are less advantageous to them than the proposal you are advocating. Goal: I want my listeners to agree that they should refinance their home mortgages with ABC Mortgage now. One. Keeping your present mortgage at over eight and a half percent is a poor financial strategy. Two, waiting for interest rates to go lower than our six and a half percent offer is misplaced optimism. Three, taking out a variable rate mortgage is equivalent to playing Russian roulette with your financial future. Four. Refinancing with a fixed 30-year mortgage at six and a half percent with ABC Mortgage is the only choice of wise money managers. Notice how the speaker points out that each of the three other options the audience may consider are not good choices. 
Their best alternative is to do what the speaker advocates.